Shalom! Thank you for tuning in to Grace Assembly's Weekend Sermon. We are on the sermon series, Exodus 2, Settling into the New Normal. The sermon title is, First Battle. Be blessed as you hear God's Word. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you here on site. And for those of you who are online, it's so good to see you as well. Thank you for joining us. We know that it is a stressful period for the nation because of Omicron, but hey, God is still here. Amen? God is with us throughout the whole pandemic, and we know that God is in charge of what's going on. Yes? Amen. Now, you see, um, I just want to say that I think everybody wants to be a part of a winning team. Or maybe for some of us, we all wish that we are on the same team as the most valuable player or the MVP. You heard of that term, right? Nobody wants to be a part of a losing team. Nobody wants to have like, you know, not so strong players on their team, especially if you are playing a friendly sports game. Now, how many of you, when you play a friendly sports game, you've been a chance to be the captain before? You know, you are the first one to be picked. You're picking people. And if you want to win, you will always go for the best player or the best available player to be on your team. But if you don't get a chance to be the captain to pick someone on the team and you still want to win the game, then what you hope for is that you get picked to be on the same team as the best player. Now, here's the reality in our lives. Unlike a friendly sports game with no, no, no consequences, you know, all of us here, we are fighting real battles. We are facing real opposition and the opposition that we go up against could be, you know, very vicious or it could be very pressurizing or it could be very overwhelming and sometimes we forget. We forget that though we may not be, you know, uh, having the best player on our team, we forget that actually the team captain, the team manager, the team owner is on your side trying to give you the best resources, the best direction, because the person who has picked you, the person who owns you, wants you to win. But instead of going to your captain or your, or your manager or your, or your owner for the right resources, most of the time when we fight the battles in our lives, we tend to go to ourselves. We tend to go to our own resources. We tend to go to ourselves to find the right direction or to find the right purpose. And you know what? That sometimes is like the way we approach our battles. We kind of like have an underdog spirit about it. We go like, you know what? Uh, this battle is too tough for me. This battle oh, is really, really insurmountable for me. I'm not sure whether I can uh, go past it or not. And maybe some of you, you even think, and you have this quote in your heart, you, you, you think, if you expect disappointment, then you can never really get disappointed. Does anybody know this quote? Um, okay, maybe, maybe you'll you realize it on Monday morning, okay? Now, you see, this was how the Israelites thought. Very underdog spirit, okay? This was how the Israelites thought when they got out of Egypt. Now, you see, church, this, this is a group of people, right, who have already witnessed 10 plagues. And God showed them that they are on the winning team through the 10 plagues. This was a group of people who have crossed the Red Sea, it's incredible. The, the staff came, bam, Red Sea opened, and they walked through it. This was a group of people who saw the pillar of cloud, uh, um, pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. I don't know how many of you have seen stuff like that before, but they saw all these things. And not just that, but last week, we, we, we learned from Pastor Ming Cham that this group of people were the ones who ate heavenly bread and heavenly meat. 
And not just that, but they drank water that came out from a rock. It's incredible. This group of people, they were not supposed to be like underdogs. But even after they experienced all of that, they still have this underdog spirit. Oh man, will God be for me or not? In fact, that's where we want to land the sermon on, okay? If you take a look at the last verse of what Pastor Meng Cham spoke about uh, last week, Exodus chapter 17, verse 7, you can see that these group of people, they were supposed to be on a winning team. But they thought to themselves, no lah, cannot be. No way that can happen to me. And so they even had the gall to ask their leaders, hey, is the Lord for us? Is the Lord among us or not? <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I am Moses, if I am Joshua, and I look at my people asking me that question, hey Moses, Joshua, is the Lord among us or not? I will want to look at them and go like, Hey, excuse me, have you all not seen the past few moments where you all have seen all these miracles of God? How can you actually say something like that? For what it's worth, the Egyptians, they thought that Pharaoh was their MVP. They thought they were on the winning team, but we can see that because of God, they kept losing and they were beaten comprehensively. And now the Israelites, they come out of Egypt and they're facing their first battle with this group of folks called Amalekites, okay? And now we want to ask ourselves then, are they going to be on the winning team? Or is the Amalekite the winning team? Who is on the winning team? So let's take a look at this together. The title of this message is First Battle. First Battle, okay? This is the first battle that they encountered after they came out of Egypt. And if you are, and, and I'm preaching from Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 to 16. And um, if you're joining us recently, this series is uh, called Settling into the New Normal. And it's actually a sequel from last year's series, also on Exodus, or called Breaking the Circuit. So if you want to, you can catch up, especially if you're new with Grace Assembly, you want to catch up on our sermon series, everything links together, okay? So catch up on it, the QR code is over there. But today we want to get into this battle with the Amalekites. So we begin with Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Church, this isn't a random battle that the people of God fought with a random nation at a random place called Rephidim. Now, you must understand that Rephidim was a place that was associated, okay? So it had, it had uh, geographical significance and it was a place that was associated with the presence of God. If you trace what's going on, God had called Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt to go and worship him at Sinai. So they were on their way, making their way to Sinai, and they had already been in this uh, um, um, uh, uh, holy land of sorts, okay? And so what happened was that there's this tribe called Amalek that was preventing Israel from doing what God, God had called them to do, which is to worship Him. So you can see that... that um, Okay, so I'll give you an insight into how Amalek tried to stop them. And we can see that from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 to 18. So if you flash that on the screen, yes. So this is how Amalek ambushed Israel. Amalek was like, oh, you know, waiting, probably, you know, they were nomadic tribes, so they were probably observing, oh, you know, this group of people, they were feeling very tired, very weary, they're always complaining, you know. And so 
Amalek thought, wait, it's a good time for us to go and ambush them because they're already so tired. So they weren't just another tribe loitering in the region of Rephidim. They were trespassers in God's land. And they were aggressors threatening God's people. Now, the Amalekites' battle strategy from this verse, Deuteronomy 25, is straightforward. They will hit them hard. They will hit them suddenly. And they will take care of all the stragglers, all the weak ones, and they will ambush them. And they will catch them when they least expect it. The Amalekites will attack Israel when they least expect it. The enemies of God will attack the people of God when they least expect it. Now, doesn't that sound like us who have gone through the pandemic? Being attacked when we least expect it. Maybe some of us here in the last two years, you've been on the verge of burnout. Maybe you were, the, you, you were on the edge of giving up. Or maybe you were on the tipping point of resignation. And some of you, you feel completely wiped out at work. You, maybe you are covering for someone who had resigned. Or maybe for some of you, you feel like the task ahead is too difficult and it is beyond your abilities or your competencies. And maybe for some of you, you feel like, you know what, after two years, it's time for me to throw in the towel. Attacks from the enemies come when we are down. Often they come when we are down. When we are feeling our weakest. When we are feeling our most vulnerable. And then, just when your work gets overwhelming, you get a call from the doctor saying that your aged parent or your aged grandparent is in serious health trouble. Or maybe you get a call, yet yourself, you're going through serious health issues. And just when you thought that your situation at work is insurmountable, you lose your appetite, you lose your sleep cycle, and you fall into depression. Or maybe for some of you, you feel isolated at home or at, at, at um, uh, work, and you fall out at a point in time with a colleague or a family member to even perpetuate and worsen the situation. You know, it is as if the pandemic wasn't bad enough. Our greatest fears are taking cue numbers to confront us one by one by one in our already frail state. Church, sometimes we can see the battle coming, but sometimes we can't. Sometimes when we see the battle coming, we can prepare ourselves to face it. But sometimes the attack takes us by complete surprise. But I have an assurance for all of us. If we are able to learn from the Israelites, if we are able to learn what happened at Rephidim, we can see that whether we can see attacks coming or not, we can take great comfort in knowing that our all-knowing God is never surprised and is never ambushed. Amen? For those of you who are online, type in, never ambushed. God is never ambushed by what is happening in your life. It may take you by surprise, but God is never surprised by it. So what should we do? We should look to God, who is never surprised, who is all-knowing, and knows the beginning to the end to help, to rely on Him to help us through difficulty. So, I don't know whether you realized it by now, I'm changing the sermon format a little bit and I'm now giving you the first lesson that I've been trying to tell you for the last eight minutes. The first lesson that we can learn from what has happened between Israel, Amalek and at Rephidim is that God is with us in all our battles. Whether we see them coming or not, God is with us in all our battles. And because God is with us in all our battles, we can depend on God 
to overcome the, 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 the opposition in our battles. Because God knows the beginning to the end, we can depend on Him to help us overcome the opposition in our battles, whether the battles are known or unknown. Now let's go back to Exodus. As I mentioned just now, I suspect these Amalekites, they were nomadic. And they were hearing about what was going on in the Israelite camp, as I mentioned just now. And they suddenly, you know, found out that in, in this desert place, the Israelites had water coming out of a rock. And if you are an Amalekite, you'll be thinking to yourself, wow, miraculous water source. We are all thirsty. The Israelites are weak. You know what I'll be thinking if I'm an Amalekite? I'll be thinking, man, that rocks. What are we waiting for? Okay, maybe you'll get it on Monday, but that's okay. Now you see, Mo Moses and Joshua, they were quietly confident. They were quietly confident that they will prevail against these ambushing Amalekites. And let's find out why. Verse 9. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us, men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. You'll be thinking to yourself, hmm, why not sword? Ah? Why not spear? I mean, it makes sense, right? Moses said, okay, I will go up to the mountain with a spear in my hand. Uh, bring me more spears and I will start to shoot people down, right? But Moses was given this instruction, you know. Um, he said to Joshua, I, I'm going to go up to the top of the hill with a staff of God in my hand. I think we need to do a little bit of a throwback to understand the significance of this staff and why it really became a visual reminder for Moses, for Joshua, and all of Israel. So let's take a look right at the beginning. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. When God was calling Moses from the burning bush, what did God say to Moses? Take this staff. The staff is in your hand. Hey, the staff is in your hand. You will do signs with this staff. Exodus 4, verse 17. This is the same staff that, that God told Moses you will use to perform signs and wonders. And then further down in verse 20, when God told Moses to go back to Egypt, the staff was brought along as well. And then you can see in Exodus chapter 7 to 10, a lot of information there. The staff was always present in every single of the plagues where, where Moses performed signs and wonders. And this was the same staff that Moses used to demonstrate to Pharaoh, hey, we are the winning team, not you. And Pharaoh just kept losing repeatedly, repeatedly and comprehensively. Exodus chapter 14, verse 16. This was the same staff Moses went in front of the Red Sea. I mean, sound effects are, you know. And you imagine, right, that, wow, the people back then, they were like, what's with this staff? It appeared at our plagues. It appeared at the Red Sea. And the, and, 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 and the Israelites would be thinking, wow, this staff has got to be something. The Egyptians will be wondering, this staff is, is quite special. And not just that, but right in last sermon, we, we know that this was the same staff that Moses used, kapam, strike the rock, psh, water flew out. Or water gushed out, not flew out, right? And so you can see that this was a staff that always had a special instruction for Moses. Or this was a staff, or this was... This, the staff, Moses always had special instructions from God about using this staff. Why? 
because this staff was a visual reminder of the presence of God. So from the first battle with Pharaoh in Exodus 7, the staff was used. In the middle of their, of their uh, wilderness journey, when, Mo- when God was giving Moses Passover instructions, the staff was mentioned again. And now at the first battle with the Amalekites, we hear the staff being mentioned again. Church, the staff that was in Moses' hand was his X factor. It ensured that Moses was always on the winning team and it reminded everybody visually that they are on the winning team. So that's why Moses had to make doubly sure that he was standing at a place where everybody could see him and as everybody see him, he will raise his staff. And as he raised his staff, he's reminding all the Israelites, friends, countrymen, God has an incredible and impeccable track record in our nation. He will pull us through this battle with the Amalekites. Moses knew that God always overcame the opposition in their battles whenever he depended on God. But here lies the problem. And this is our problem. You see, we tend to depend on everything but God. We tend to turn to our work, turn to our hobbies, and maybe some of us, or you know of someone, who even resort to vices to escape from their problems. We tend to depend on God only when we run out of options. When no family member wants to speak to us, when we don't have a friend that wants to come and say, find out how we are doing, then we go to God. Or sometimes we only go to God for the things that we cannot control. Not one of us can prevent a market downturn. Not one of us can predict when we will go into another lockdown. Not one of us can predict, wow, with a marriage breakdown, will my kids start rebelling? And we tend to depend on God only for the things that we can't control. And so when we reach the end of our rope and we see God's address there, the problem is that sometimes even at that desperation, we still refuse to seek God for help. I mean, I imagine that the Israelites, when they you know, were facing the Amalekites, they'll be like, ah, I don't need them. I'm battle trained. I've gone through SAF, BMT, you know, and I'm ready to, you know, act, you know, kill people. No, I think what was going on is that Moses wanted to remind them that the presence of God is here and because of the presence of God, we will overcome the Amalekites. We will defeat the Amalekites. Moses knew that he who has the staff has God fighting on their behalf. He who has the staff, if you have the presence of God in your life, that's God fighting on your behalf. That's why his battle plan was such an unconventional one. He gave instructions to Joshua. He stood on top of the hill with the staff of God in his hand. And how did it unfold? How did it unfold? Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron and her went to the top of the hill. Moses, Joshua, Aaron and her did what they did because they knew that God was with them. And more importantly, God was on their side defending them against hostile forces. Friends, who you depend on depends on you. Who you depend on depends on you. You must determine in your heart whether God is your X factor 
or your X factor. Who you depend on depends on you. You must determine in your hearts whether God will be your X factor or your X factor. So from this, in the past eight minutes, we have learned our second lesson today. And this is the lesson. God's continued presence is our greatest battle, or it's our greatest weapon in every battle. Let me say that again. God's continued presence is our greatest weapon in any battle. Therefore, we can depend on God who is with us to help us overcome the opposition in our battles. Now, as you imagine this scene, you can imagine how much pressure Aaron, Moses, and her felt on top of the hill. They knew the importance of the staff of Joshua and the Israelites seeing it and they knew the dire consequences if they didn't help Moses raise his hand. They did what they could to ensure that the staff was seen. Now, how did it unfold? In verse 11, we read that whenever Moses raised his hand, I imagine, wow, Israelites, you can hear the battle cry. And whenever his hands were lowered, you can see the Amalekites with their battle cry. Imagine this scene and for Joshua, he's like, come on, Moses, raise your hand. And for Aaron and her, oh my goodness, Moses getting tired, you know. I I better help him raise his hand. That's what happened in uh, verse 12. But Moses' hands grew weary. They took a stone, they put it under him. He sat on it. While Aaron and her held up his hands, one on each side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Joshua did what he could. He led the army. The Israelites did what they could. They fought with all their might. Aaron and her did what they could. They supported Moses' arm. And Moses did what he could. He raised the staff. Joshua, Aaron, and her, they knew that the battle wasn't in their hands because the outcome of the battle literally rested in the hands of Moses in his staff. So now that you understand the importance of the staff, you realize why Joshua was so confident in, overcome, in, in confronting the Amalekites and why Aaron and her were so determined to ensure that the staff remained visible. Now, as I observe this story unfolding, I also observe something incredible that took place as an outcome, okay? Now, remember, in the past sermon, this was a group of people who were grumbling. They were complaining. They were pessimistic and even aggressive towards their own leader. But suddenly when they were facing this really big battle and the staff was raised, everybody came together in partnership. Incredible. What I find amazing is that the Israelites, as the Israelites depended on God to win their battles, it resulted in the cessation of their grumbling, of their complaining, of their negativity, of their titter-tattle. Through this crisis, we have seen these Israelites transform from complaint merchants to collaboration masters. I witnessed this in our church as we journeyed through the pandemic. For those of you who join us, you must understand that Grace Assembly, we had enough um, COVID cases in our church to become a religious cluster. In fact, we were hit so early on in the pandemic that a good number of the case numbers of our Gracians were all in double digits. That's how early COVID hit our church. And I remember during this time, 
especially for senior pastor, it was, it was, I think it was crazy for him. It, he, he looked so calm, but it was crazy for him. He was fighting COVID himself and he had to lead the church from the hospital bed. It's, it's, it's a mind-boggling thing. And I feel that during that time, Grace felt like it was in survival mode. It was a difficult time for Grace Assembly, but we also reached a point in time as a church where we found a resolve in our hearts not to just look at our own problems anymore. We started to think outwards. We started to think for the, the rest of the people who were not affected. We started to look at the people who were not in Grace Assembly who were affected by COVID. And because of that, the campaign called Proud to Be a Gracian came up where it was an initiative where we tried to help fellow Gracians with businesses so that they don't fall. And you have young adults going to um, senior citizens or seniors' homes, okay, to help them connect to church online. And you have many, many parents who stepped up to take ownership of the discipleship of their children. And you have countless numbers of food deliveries that were activated and received. And not just that, but we also got an opportunity to house rough sleepers in Bukit Batok. And even overseas, we got the opportunity to supply oxygen tanks or food rations to our mission partners. Now you see, as one church across multiple generations, we came together at a time of unexpected crisis and we emerged stronger from it. Church, in facing the difficulties of our lives, everyone has a part to play. In facing the difficulties of our lives, everybody has a part to play. Nobody's role is unimportant. Some will lead, some will support, some will fight, some will pray. In, in crisis, in emergencies, in battles, I pray that teamwork and community support results in us depending on God collectively. So church, is there a creation that you can pray for today? Is there a leader that you can encourage today? In fact, is there a ministry that you can join today? Or maybe for some of you, rejoin today? Is there a project that you can be a part of or a skill that you can offer to build the church together? Oftentimes, when we come together for a higher purpose, we see our present troubles in a different light and we find new resolve to get through our collective tough times as one unit. Friends, the body of Christ, the church, it must come together to support each other through hardship. So you see, when Aaron and her helped Moses hold up his staff for the continued presence of God to remain as a visual reminder to the Israelites, Joshua and the Israelites became successful in overcoming the Amalekites. And so with this, I will give you the final lesson today. The last eight minutes, I've been trying to arrive at this final lesson. It is that how we participate in a battle changes how we perceive it. How we participate in a battle changes how we perceive it. Before this battle, there was infighting in Israel. But now with the Amalekites, with the threat they face from external sources, they united in their efforts, they pulled their weight together and they looked to God for victory. This is like the whole nation looking to the staff of God that was on top of the hill in Moses' hand for victory. The whole nation depended on God to help them overcome the opposition in their battles. 
Now let me offer just a word of caution from verse 13. Verse 13, it says, And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. The word picture that we get here from the word overwhelm or kalash in Hebrew is the idea of weakening or disabling someone. In other translations, it reads as defeats or overcomes. Yes, Joshua had weakened the Amalekites to the point that they were no longer a serious threat to Israel for the rest of their journey. But Amalek was still around. And even if they are around, and even though they could not harm the Israelites, they were still around. So here's the caution for all of us. Even though the opposition can be defeated in our lives, it doesn't mean that we can get spiritually cocky. It doesn't mean that we can get arrogant or haughty and think that that's it, no more battles, I don't need to fight anymore. I don't need to depend on God anymore. I don't need to look to the community anymore. So let us not get spiritually arrogant with the first sign of success. Instead, let's press on in prayer. Let's persist in humility. Let's keep learning. Let's keep growing. Let's surround ourselves with godly community. Let us always be on the lookout for danger and for each other as well. So today, somebody is going through a battle. And the battle is not, it's still hot and, and tough and difficult and overwhelming. As a church, why don't we check in on someone whom we know is going through a tough time and remind them that God is on their side. God has never forgotten them. God is fighting for them. God is with them in their battles. God will always prevail, but it doesn't mean that it gives us the license to get presumptuous or proud. So let us be on alert. Let us be on guard. Now, how did this story end? Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven, from under heaven. Verse 15, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Here's the result of the battle, and it is a lot more drastic than you think it is. The Amalekites may have been defeated by the Israelites and they retreated temporarily. But we know down the line, when we read about how the, Amalek, the Amalekites appeared again in a battle with Saul or in a battle with David, you know, David and Saul, they, they nearly exterminated all of them, but there was still a remnant lying somewhere in, 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 in the kingdom, okay? And so what happened was that God's curse to utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven it was finally fulfilled in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 43, where the remnants, the ones that you know, Saul and David couldn't exterminate completely, they were completely defeated. The remnants of the Amalekites who had escaped were totally defeated. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 to 18 again, this was a nation who demonstrated no fear of God. And the outcome is the same for anyone who goes against God. Utter and eventual destruction. Down the road, we know that this is true because God has demonstrated what He would do, He will ultimately do to all His enemies and how He will eradicate evil and opposition at the same time. Nothing will prevail against God. Nothing will 
prevail against God. If you're online, why don't you type in, God always wins. Amen, church. God always wins. Like the first battle that Moses faced with Pharaoh, he raised his staff. He won. Moses was now raising his staff against another enemy who was arrogant and haughty and he thought, and they thought that maybe hey, we have the upper hand. But Moses knew that God will help those overcome the opposition in their battles if they depend on Him. And once again, when, Mo, when God's people were in deep distress, God turns up and helps them to overcome their opposition comprehensively. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back up. I'll never forget what happened at last uh, Christmas or last year's Christmas family gathering. Uh, what happened was that, uh, to be very frank with all of us here, I was extremely exhausted from two years of pandemic. And this was like at the tail end of uh, two youth camps, you know. And with um, Christmas service, with uh, Thanksgiving service, I will tell you that this was like the, the, the culmination of two years of pandemic operations. And I was extremely discouraged. I was extremely um, exhausted because it feels like uh, reacting to changes seems to be the permanent plans that we were making, especially in the next-gen service. I was low in confidence. I was physically exhausted. And these past two years, it really surfaced my inadequacies. It really surfaced all my weaknesses. It surfaced all the things that I was not really good at. I tried to find comfort in my family, but they could only comfort me so much. I tried to find comfort with some friends, but they don't really know what I'm going through. And the thing that I was the most frustrated with is that I was doing so much. I was working so hard. The whole church was working so hard. I can only speak for myself. I was working so much, but I was getting so little result. At the end of two years, I go like, what, what, what have I accomplished? How have I advanced? I don't know. And so to be frank with you, I remember after preaching that Christmas service, I was just gone. I was physically spent, emotionally spent. And I went for that Christmas party with my family. And I said to myself, okay, you know what? Oh, at least I'm with family. I don't need to do anything. Now I can relax. And then my mother threw in something. She said, okay, we're going to play a game today. And I'm like, mommy, I'm exhausted. The one games already. No, 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 no. I prepared to play this game. All of you already. Y'all better play it. I said, okay. Okay, we will play this game. So my mom explained the game to me. She said, all of us have to take one number. And then as you take this number, you have to go into the center of the circle. So all of us took one number. I took number nine. So that means uh, I'm nine. Um, I'm number nine in gathering uh, at my sister's house, okay? And I was number nine. I was one of the last few to speak. So everybody gathered. And uh, one by one, they came out. And the, the, the whole point of the game was that you have to give thanks for the year first. Maybe my mom knew in advance that as we give thanks to God for the year, we are reminded of the track record of God in our lives. We are reminded of how the staff was raised in our lives. We are reminded that the presence of God has been with us throughout the pandemic. And so I stepped up. <laughs> I gave thanks to God 
for the year. And as I did that, I felt like God was reminding me, my presence is with you. This is the banner that you have to raise. Hey, Joe, I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. So I gave thanks. And I was like, okay, I just played the game, mommy, lah, you know, patronize her a little bit or give thanks. Mommy, I thank God for you also, you know. I remember saying that. And she felt so happy to, to receive that. And then she gave me a box of her cookies. This is your reward for giving thanks. I was like, oh, so nice. Now it's time for you to pick a scripture. And I reached into the back and I picked out scripture number nine. And this is what scripture number nine read. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And as I read this verse out loud, wow, tears were welling in my eyes. I looked at my wife who was on my right and only she knew what I was going through. And she gave me that spousal knot. That. And as I read this, my mom had no idea what I was going through, but she declared, Joe, this will be your theme verse for 2022. And I was like, God, I needed to hear, not from Moses, but from my mother. <laughs> mother knows best. And frankly, it was all I needed to hear personally and directly from God. Because I knew that this will be the year the past two years have been years where we depend on God to overcome the opposition in our battles. Christians, God is with you in your time of distress. God defends you when you are defenseless. You need the presence of God. You need the power of God in every battle that you face. And you need to totally depend on God and to press in until the battle is well and truly over. We learned three things today. God is always with us in all our battles. Whether we see it coming or not, God is always with us. Number two, God's continued presence is our greatest weapon in any battle. So let's raise our staff up high. Let's raise our hands in surrender and be reminded that God is with us. And finally, how we participate in the battle changes how we perceive it. Just when you thought that Moses did well in this story and you want to be like Moses, may I suggest to you, Jesus is the better Moses. Jesus is the better Moses. More than being just an MVP, Jesus is our coach, our captain and our owner. He models dependence on God in our battles through His own example. He's the one who handpicked you to be on His winning team. And He provides all that you need to break down oppositions in your battles. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus is interceding for us at the right hand of God. This means 
that his hands never go down. This means that he doesn't need to sit on a rock when he's tired. This means that his hands will always be up. This means that he doesn't need his disciples to raise his hands for him. Church, Jesus' team doesn't always just win. Jesus' team has already won. Amen? Jesus' team has already won and you are on Jesus' team. So the invitation for us today is to depend on Him alone to help us. Instead of feeling helpless or going to a mode of self-pity, let us call upon His name. Let us raise our hands when we are in distress. Instead of conforming to the patterns of this world, let us live out this victory actively as people who think, who speak, who talk differently. Instead of fighting and striving for everything, let us live life abundantly and model a lifestyle of generosity and of giving. And church, instead of accepting defeat as the outcome, let's press in and press on in every challenge and face every setback with courage. Church, God, God overcomes the opposition in your battles when you depend on Him. Let's pray. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, I have a simple altar call for you to respond to today. We know that God overcomes the opposition in our battles when we depend on Him. But right now you're saying, Pastor, I'm going through an overwhelming season. It's incredibly difficult for me right now. Something in my family or my finances or my health or my relationships, something is not quite right. The battle feels strong. It feels like I have Amalekites on my back giving me a hard time. It feels like I got caught by surprise. But today, today, in church, in this service, you're saying to the Lord, Lord, I want to depend on you. I want to be reminded of the presence of God in my life. And even though I'm facing this battle, even though I'm facing this overwhelming situation, Lord, I want to look to you because God, I know your track record in my life and I know that you will see me through, Lord. So if that is you, you're going through a tough time, but you're saying, God, I want to look to you. I want to depend on you. I need you to help me, oh God. If that is you, would you raise your hand to the Lord? Thank you. 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 Many hands raised. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you on the side. Thank you. I want to just invite you to keep your hands raised. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. As you raise your hand up right now, you are declaring symbolically to yourself, God's presence is with me. God's presence has never left me, never forsaken me because God is with me. I can go through whatever I will go through because I know God will overcome the opposition in my battles. So Heavenly Father, we are praying, oh God, victory. We are speaking victory into every single hand's race, oh God. Whether it is a battle for health, it is a battle 
battle for finances. It is a battle for relationships. It is a battle for even our own walk with you. Father, we raise our hands and we declare that you are with us. You are for us. And you are fighting with us, oh God. And Lord, we know that you will overwhelm. You will overwhelm our enemies. You will help us to overcome our difficulties when we depend on you, oh God. So Father, I speak blessing. I speak victory. I speak breakthrough in the name of Jesus for every hands that's raised, every family that's represented. Lord, give us this breakthrough, oh God. Give us this breakthrough, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you have been blessed by the Word of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus.